Thanks, Hugh. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Um, let me just get myself set up. And, oh, that's much better, isn't it? I'm doing what I'm told. They said to me, if you put your, put your microphone on your chin, it sounds a heck of a lot louder than if you put it there. So we'll try that. So if I, if I drop it, just let me know. I'll try and, uh, try and remember. Thanks, guys. Um, this morning, I thought we'd talk about the idea of, of God's calling on our lives. Um, and hopefully, we're going to slide up there. There's, there's my friend Tony, who uh, hates having his photograph taken, so I've put it up there just to embarrass him. No doubt he'll hate it. Um, <laughs> but there we go. Often, when we, when we think of calling, uh, we think of it as something specific to people who are involved in the ministry. So we think about people who are called to, to be preachers or called to be teachers or whatever. Or maybe we think about missionaries or maybe we think about people with a vocational calling, maybe people who are nurses or doctors or teachers or whatever. But I just want to say God has a calling for each one of us. God wants each one of us to perform something or other for the sake of his kingdom. Um, passage that we use quite a lot in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God has a plan for each one of us. God has a calling for each one of us. But callings come in seasons. And it might be that uh, during one season your calling is quite limited. And in another season you might find you're much more involved with things. Um, if you think about my, my calling for... I guess for, for many years, it's, it's been a case of being salt and light in the workplace. And now I'm out of the workplace, my calling really is to support others. So I end up doing a lot of stuff to support Joyce, for example, or to, to do things in the church. We might talk a little bit about that later. And it might be that there's something else that God will call me to after this, because callings can come a little bit in seasons. But you know, some of the best adventures in life come out of doing what God's called us to do. And it's great that, uh, that the Lewises are finally going off to Africa again and taking up a little bit of, of uh, their calling. Because, you know, I'm sure there's more in store for them, I'm sure, out there. Okay. So the first calling I want to talk about is actually the very first calling God puts on our lives, which is the call to salvation. Call to salvation. And... Um, not going to talk about this a lot because a lot of we we talk about it a lot. But we, God is calling you if you're not already part of His kingdom, and He says, "Come on, be part of My kingdom. Let me into your life. Let me do something good, and let me take hold of your life and turn it around and do something amazing." And the forgiveness of God and the salvation of God is open to each one of us. And God is calling us. He stands at the door and He knocks. And he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So there's a call to salvation. That's the, the very first calling. I'm going to talk about a few other callings and then we're going to talk about some things, hopefully, reasons why people perhaps don't take up their callings. So that's, that's where we're heading this morning. But there's one calling in particular that I'm going to spend more time on than all the others. So call to salvation is the first one. The next one is a call to ministry. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, we see different kinds of ministry here involved in this call to ministry. So some people are called to be um, pastors, some to be teachers, some, all these different kind of giftings that people have. 
you know, there are different scopes to those giftings as well. Some people have an international gifting. So somebody like Billy Graham, when he was alive, was an international evangelist. He uh, had an international scope to his ministry. There are other people who've got a national scope to their ministry. You know, people like um, perhaps Stuart Bell. You know, he's a national leader of ground level, but he has a national calling as well as a, perhaps a local calling. Uh, others have a, have a call to a local church, and they're involved in things locally. Some have a calling to a specific group of people. So uh, that might be kids' work. It might be youth work. It might be a calling to work with a particular ethnic group. It might be something else. You know, there, there are all sorts of different callings that God has on us to, to bring us uh, in, into a place of a ministry for him. Next kind of calling is a call to mission. Um, and we've already heard a little bit about mission this morning. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1 8. And I've chosen this picture in particular. This is a picture of Alan Graham. Dorothy's not on that picture because she doesn't tend to go out into schools. You probably can't see it very well actually on the main screen, but on the side screens you should see it better. Alan and Dorothy Graham, they, they felt a call to go out to Zimbabwe. And many years ago, they, they sold up everything and they got on a plane and they flew out to Zimbabwe to work for God there. And I don't think they necessarily knew what they were doing when they flew out. But Alan in particular has a real heart for evangelism, a real heart for kids. And he's got involved in, in kids' evangelism out there and he works into schools and he works into children's homes and does all sorts of things like that. But here's the thing. And we went out and we did, we did a few days, uh, two or three years ago with them as a, as a team. We took some, some guys out there. Uh, and you're standing in front of several thousand kids sometimes. And you see this sea of kids in front of you. And you're like talking to them. And you think, well, that's great. But what about the one-to-one? -one? But Alan will then take you into an orphanage. And there'll be kids who come and sit on your knee and talk to you. And you get that one-to-one -one with them. And Alan has got a great heart for kids and for mission and for seeing lives changed. And this school in particular, this is interesting because this school was built because uh, the school the kids were going to was on the other side of a very major road and the kids were getting run over and the kids were getting killed as they were going to school. And so they built a, a, a wooden hut, essentially, on this site here. There's no, probably no water when it was done, there's certainly no electric there at all, not a lot there. And that was the start of this school. And Alan went out there and he saw the state of this place and he thought, we can do better than that. And so he, he mobilized those people that he deals with for finance and they paid for all these new school buildings to be built. And I think there's probably a well that's been dug there and all sorts of things. Infrastructure's been put in place to give those, school, those kids the best education they can get under you know, where they are. You know, they can't get electric there necessarily, but they can have the best. So, so they've made the classrooms so that they reflect all the light in. So that you walk in the classrooms and they're as if they've got lights in them because of the way they've designed them. It's absolutely fantastic. And then Alan will go into another school where perhaps there's no drink, or the drinking water that's there is all polluted and it's causing the kids to be ill. And he'll say, OK, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll arrange for a well to be dug. And well, while we were out there, there's one school in particular, he did this. And within days of hearing that they got poor water, he got a guy out there to go and find where the water was. And then as we were leaving, uh, he'd gone to talk to the drilling company to get a, a borehole drilled. Because, you know, he's so passionate about making sure these kids get the best health, the best education, and that they hear, hear about Jesus. Those are the things that, that really um, 
make him click. So he's involved in feeding programs and clothes. And you'll see the individual as well. You'll see a kid that's got no shoes and they say, here's some money, get that kid some shoes. You'll see a kid that's got no jacket or whatever, or no, no jumper or whatever, and he'll, he'll pay for that to happen as well. It's just so amazing how, how his heart for mission is there. And when you go out there, you see some of that. So that's a call to mission. Now, for some of you, you're not going to get a call to go permanently out to, to country, but you might like... The Lewis family get a call to go out there for a week or for two weeks. Then you might go out there and actually get a call to go out there longer, you know, or go back again, or to go back again, or go back again. That's, you know, sometimes your heart gets moved when you go out on a mission trip and you really get a heart for a place and God does something in you. So for some of you, there might be a short-term call to mission, there might be a long-term call to mission, but God does still call people to be involved in mission. There might be a call to care, and that might be a call to parent, it might be um, a call to um, care for a sick loved one or a friend. It might be caring in the charity sector. It might be caring just by giving into situations. And there's lots of opportunities that we have around us to help us do that. Lots of things we can get involved with that help us to be to 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 work into that 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 calling uh, to care. But you know, those of you who who are parents, you know, sometimes you think I can't do what God's called me to do because I've got to raise up these kids. Do you know, the greatest calling on some of you is actually bringing up your kids for that period. Because bringing them up well, you're bringing up the next generation to do maybe things that you couldn't have done. You know, and so for like Richard, as he's taking his kids out to Africa to grab his heart for what he's seen in Africa, maybe some of your kids, Richard, will go on to do greater things in Africa than you could ever have done. Or wherever it happens to be. You know, you could, you could see things happen in the next couple of weeks that start something in their lives that will do something amazing. So you never know. So parenting is one of the great things that we can be called to do. And don't despise that if that's, if that's currently what God's calling you to do. There's a call to support. Um, that, I think, is something that I'm going through at the moment. Uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I was just talking to somebody the other day, actually, who was saying that since he retired, uh, he feels part of his calling is to use the gifts and skills that he's got to be able to use that in a church environment. So a very practical kind of thing in, in sort of doing building work and doing uh, woodwork and all sorts of things in, in these buildings. And that's part of his current calling. It's a calling to be supporting. And since leaving work, I've gone through a period of, of serving others and supporting others. So uh, I've been involved in things like building websites, of, not just for here, but for, for other church, for what, at least one other church, um, installing computer networks for the church, um, video stuff, photography, artwork, writing, whatever, support to, 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 to individuals, support to the church, to support to other churches, support to charities, all sorts of things. Because that's, at the minute, that's where I'm going through. I've got, I've got some time on my hands, not, not as much as sometimes you think you've got. And that time, at the minute, God's saying, well, use it as you can to serve my kingdom and to use it however you can. And so Joy in particular seems to always have something that she wants doing and sorting out, whether it's for kids' church or camp or whatever. So I seem to spend a lot of time supporting others, and that's part of my calling at the moment. That might not be my calling in the next season, but it's my calling in this season. But the call I really want to talk about is actually the call to be salt and light, and that really is two places, really, I can think where that applies. One is the workplace, and one 
is in our neighbourhoods. Now, I want to ask a question. How many of you live in a house that you feel that in some way God directed you to that house and brought that about? Yeah, quite a few of you. Uh, not, this, not the house we're in at the moment. Well, I think, I think God's done that with all the houses we've lived in. But the last house we were in, we had sold our previous house. We'd moved out of it. We'd actually moved in to stop with Joy's mum and dad, and the kids were very small at the time. So that was a challenge for them. Um, so we're there. We're looking for a house. We're driving around the streets of Cleethorpes. We drive up Bradford Avenue. We park outside the five tall houses that are there. We park outside the middle one. We said, you know what, wouldn't it be great to have one of those? Within the week, Joy's dad had been talking to somebody who lived actually in the middle house of those who said, we're selling our house. And to cut a long story short, we ended up buying the very house that we parked outside saying, we'd like one of those. <laughs> you know, that's God, isn't it? That's got to be God. How many of us have found ourselves in jobs because we feel God's directed us to do that particular job? Two of you, three of you, four of you, five of you, some of you. Yeah, okay. okay. I think, I mean, the last job I was in, um, going to that workplace, I know it doesn't always work out in the long term. You know, you sometimes go through some issues. But when I started there, I met Andy. And at the time, um, my dad was pastor of another church and that all, uh, things went all pear-shaped there. But knowing Andy gave me an opening to actually end up, ultimately, being part of this church because I work with Andy um, at the company I used to work for. Um, so I'm just going to read um, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. It says there, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and, give it a, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before the others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so I want to just talk a little bit about what it means practically to be salt and light, particularly in the workplace, but also in your neighborhood. So the stuff that I talk about in the workplace, the things that are relevant, apply them to the neighborhood that perhaps you're living in. Now, what I will say, I'm going to give some examples from my life, my work life. Now, if you talk to Andy Granger, he will tell you a different version of my day-to-day -day work life because I'm going to give you the highlights. Now, there are some lowlights as well. There are times when we mess up and times when we get it wrong. So, you know, none of us are perfect. But I'm going to tell you some of the things that work well in a work context in terms of being salt and light, Okay. So do talk to Andy afterwards and get, get the balanced story <laughs> and all the dirt and everything. I'm sure you'll sure do that. The first way that we can be salt and light, actually, is to pray for the place where you work. Because at the end of that, if you pray that your workplace will be blessed, then ultimately the people who work there hopefully will be blessed. Unless you've, unless you've got a really rotten workplace. <laughs> but hopefully that's something else to play for, isn't it? As, you, as, your, work, as your workplace prospers often you'll share in that prosperity in some way or other. If your workplace suffers, then they start thinking about, well, who can we get rid of? And, you know, how can we cut things? And what can we do? So praying for your workplace is important. It's important for your workplace. It's important for you. It's important for your friends that you work with. And it's also important for the local economy. Because if we lose 
businesses that employ people or organisations that employ people, then that's bad for the area as well. So praying is a key thing. Get praying for your workplace. Now, at one time, I used to have an office upstairs in the building where I was, and it was... Um, I used to be quite rude in terms of I would, I would lock the door on a lunchtime and shut it. And that gave me a lunchtime to be able to just pray in that, in that room with nobody coming in and interrupting me. So that's something that I did for, for a season. I, w- I would sit in my office, I would start, well, actually start to walk about in my office praying for work and praying for people and praying for the area. You might want to, um, something that I think, I think Andy's done this as well as me, but we, you can walk around the building praying as you're walking around the building. So you have a little wander upstairs, you wander around, you wander around the building, you wander around the site, where, whatever your organisation looks like, and you just pray for whatever's on your heart to pray for, whether it's just the organisation in general, whether it's people, whether it's situations you're running through. But just make it a habit to pray for the place you work for because that can actually change the atmosphere in the place you're working for. It can change the economy of the place you're working for and it can um, improve the whole situation. Be prepared as well, and we'll talk, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of something on this in a moment, but be prepared where it's appropriate and where you can to pray for your colleagues because uh, I think probably in all the time I was working at my last company, which is 20-odd years, I think on three, maybe four occasions, I was able to pray one-to-one for one of my colleagues. One of them in particular, one guy came into my office, he was absolutely distraught. He said to me, um, my niece has got um, some sort of illness. She's been rushed into hospital. They're really worried about her. They're, they're not giving her much chance of, of survival. I said, would you like me to pray? He says, do you know what? I've actually... Uh, been doing that myself. I said to God, if you're there, do something in this situation. So that gave me an opening to pray for that for that kid and to pray for my work colleague. And that child picked up very quickly. She recovered. And as far as I know, is still doing okay. Um, not, somebody, not, not been in contact really recently to find out how things are going. But that was an opportunity to pray directly with one of my, with one of my colleagues. One of the other things that I, I tried to do was um, I, 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 I don't know if I woke up one morning or whatever, but I just decided at some point in my, work, in my career that it would be good that when people come in my office for some work doing and to have a chat and a conversation with me, that they would leave that room better, happier, more smiley, if you like, than when they, when they came in. So we would do the work and we would have the conversations, but I would try to make it as fun and as helpful and as, and as good for them and for me as I could do. And so we would have a laugh and a joke, and we would do the work, and we would, we would just, just make it a nice experience. Because too many people, you walk into their office and they're all miserable, and they, um, you know, they get you down when really you want people to, to lift you up. Um, one of the things I wrote down here is, be salt and light, um, don't be vinegar and dullness which is something we can so easily be. You know, we can wake up on a Monday morning, go to work, and we can be less salt and more vinegar, less light and more greyness, can't we? So, you know. Encourage others. Now, it's relatively easy to encourage somebody who is uh, somebody who works for you. Although, actually, when I was working in my last company, I don't think I had... I very rarely had anybody working for me, but where I worked before, I did. Um, so... It's quite easy to encourage somebody who works for you. It's hard to actually encourage your peers because 
you know, there's always that banter between you and there's always that kind of, you know, stuff that goes on between peers. But encouraging peers is good. What is really hard is to actually encourage people who are above you in an organisation. And it's not something that I made a habit of, um, but on one particular occasion, uh, there was a major, major incident at our work um, that caused a lot of distress to the whole organisation. It caused a lot of distress to the people who were leading the organisation as well. I mean, it was not easy wherever you were on site. Um, and so I, I particularly, um, one of the guy who'd been running the site on that day, he appeared on television and he had to go in front and talk to people and explain, you know, what was happening and all that kind of thing. And I really felt for him when I saw him on TV. And I thought, actually, I need to write to the, the senior leadership team, but I also need to write to him and encourage him because of what they were going through as much as what everybody else was going through. And I'd felt that the way that they handled things early on in the process had been good and been as, as helpful as they could be, certainly for people at my end of the organisation. I don't know all the way through because it's, it's very difficult to judge. But I felt that it had been good. So I wrote and I encouraged them and said, look, guys, I think you're doing as good a job as you can do in this situation, I'm praying for you, blah, blah, blah. Wrote a letter of encouragement. What was interesting was every single one of the CEDA leadership team on site came into my office and said, thank you for writing that. And some of them had quite long conversations with me. The other thing I found interesting was about a year later, they actually thought about the letter I'd wrote and they said, actually, guys, we're not doing what we were doing back then. And they actually kind of caused them to rethink a little bit about where they were. But a few, well, a few years after I'd left, one of the guy who'd been in charge on that day, he left the site. And I was asked to paint him a picture of the site. Um, I was commissioned to do that by some of the guys um, who we'd worked with. So I painted this picture. That went off to him. And then he wrote me a letter back. And he obviously, you know, he talked about the picture and he talked about various other things. But what he did say was, he said about this letter in particular I'd written. I was deeply touched by the letter you wrote to me. I still have it and often read it. It gave me the strength to draw on it in ways I cannot describe. So you do not know how the words that you speak, the things that you write, the things that you could do can actually change people's hearts, that can influence them, that can maybe help them to be better people than they would have been just by spending time and saying, God, yeah, this is hard. I don't want to write this letter, but I'm going to write this letter. I don't want to say something to this person, but I'm going to say it because I want to encourage them and I want to say um, good things into their life. So I want to encourage you to encourage people, whether they're beneath you in an organisation, level with you in an organisation, or above you. If you see something that, you know, that, that needs encouragement, speak out. I'm talking to a friend of mine who's, um, who was the... the CEO or managing director or something or other of a, of a local engineering company and he said in all the times he worked there I think only once had somebody actually said to him you must be going through some hard stuff I'm thinking about you you know because at the top when people at the top of an organization people just don't ever say good things because the people the people who work for him <laughs> you know it's, it's difficult sometimes isn't it 
So that's the call to the workplace. Now, there is a, there is a leaflet that we've given out at, at Grapevine, which is this speak-up leaflet. That is, uh, gives guidance on how to be salt and light in the workplace and what, what, you, what, the, what you can and can't do and what you cannot say. So if you want a copy of that, you can get it online at greatcommission.co.uk slash speakup. So if you want to know more about that, just come and have a look at that leaflet afterwards. Very, very quickly then, I just want to come up with some responses that people come up with to uh, the call. So to go through this very quickly. So one of them is send somebody else. Moses, after God had called him, said, can't you send somebody else? And you know, maybe, maybe as God's calling you this morning to do whatever it is he's calling you to do, whether it's to salt and light, whether it's to write that letter of encouragement, whether it's to um, go on a mission trip or whatever it happens to be, maybe you're saying, Lord, not me, send someone else. The next one is not now, I'm busy. Um, you, you can read the scripture, it's up there, I think. But... Um, a few, few weeks ago, uh, I, was, I was looking after Jude, my, my grandson, and um, I said to him, do you want Grandpa to change your nappy? And he says to me, not now, I'm busy. And it's so funny. And, you know, it's not now, I'm busy. And for so many of us, when God calls us, it's not now, I'm busy. The next one is, I need to know more. Um, this is about... Uh, Nathaniel wanting to know more. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see. And that, that's a better response because, you know, if, I, if I'm going away on a holiday or something, I, I find out as much as I can about what I'm going into before I go into it. That's just my natural response. Find out as much as you can. If I want to buy something, I find out as much as I can about it. So it's not a bad response. It's not the best response, but it's not a bad response to say, I need to know more. Let me find out more, and then I'll, I'll say yes or, or no. There are some people who, who say yes and then say and then don't do something, and there are some people who say yes and do uh, say no and then do it, which is the next one, the change of mind. And there's a scripture there, Matthew 21, that backs that up, that, that gives you an idea of that. But don't be a person who says yes quickly and then thinks about it afterwards and thinks, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have said yes. But be someone who, you know, don't don't say yes or no. Think about it. Ask, you know, find out before you actually make those. Life-changing decisions. Then finally, we've got Isaiah who said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am. Send me. And that's the, the best response you can have. Um, you know, Peter and Andrew, as they, were, as they were called by Jesus, follow me. They got up, left their nets and followed him. Same response. Here I am. Send me. Send me. And so God is calling us this morning. He's calling us Maybe to salvation if you're not already saved. He's calling us, he might be calling you to some form of ministry. He might be calling you to mission. He might be calling you um, to any of these other things I've mentioned this morning that have gone out of my head. Um, to, to be salt and light in the workplace. He might be calling you to serve others. Whatever he's calling you to do, think about how you are going to respond to that this morning. Are you going to tell God, now send somebody else? Are you going to tell God, no, I'm too busy? Are you going to tell God, I'm going to find out more. Are you going to say one thing and then change your mind? Or are you going to say, here I am, send me. And so this morning, as God stirs up things in your heart, I want to say, be somebody who goes out for all out for God, who goes and does what God's got in store for him. Because the greatest journeys you go on are the ones where you're doing what God's asked you to do. It's not always, it's not always fun, and it's not always easy, but they're the greatest journeys that we can go on. You see some amazing things happen. Yeah, later. Yeah, in a minute. Yeah. So let's just let's just pray um, for any of these things. So if
Um, this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and God's been calling you and saying, come on, come on, now's the time, come on, find me as Lord and Saviour. Then this morning, why not, as we, as we pray for people this morning, come out to the front and get prayed for, give your life to Jesus this morning. It might be that uh, you don't know what God's call is on your life, and you, you really want to know more. Well, why don't you come out and let people pray for you, to, for you to, to know what it is that God has in store for you. And it might be that you've either been called by God and you're struggling with the idea, or you've been called by God and you, you just need more strength for that call. Well, why don't you come out this morning as, as the worship band come back and do their thing? Why don't you come out this morning and we'll pray for you? So if you want salvation, if you want to know God's call, if you want strength for the call, then the prayer team will be here this morning. They'll pray with you and we'll see things hopefully move forward in your lives. Thank you.